Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, December 15th. Happy National Wear Your Pearls Day, which you'd think would be mostly for women. But the point of this holiday is to remind us that out of the many trials and tragedies that come in life, beauty is often created. Because that's how pearls are created. Something gets trapped inside an oyster. Sometimes it's a piece of sand, but the irritant most often is a parasitic organism that's burrowed its way into the oyster's soft tissues and organs. Ew. And to deal with that irritant, the oyster secretes this kind of mucus stuff over it, what they call mother of pearl. After a while, a couple three years, and many, many layers of mucus, the parasite becomes a shiny white pearl. And each pearl has a piece of debris or parasitic creature at the center of it. And that's similar to the process that occurs inside our own noses. Yes, boys and girls, a pearl is really just an oyster booger. But fellas, if you give your wife a string of them, don't call them that especially not in front of other people. It won't go well, trust me. But the sentiment behind the holiday itself is legit. The idea that every cloud has a silver lining may not be 100% true, but it's probably 70% true, even if most of the time we never see it. Because sometimes the silver lining is what didn't happen. Like, let's say you're getting ready for work and you break a shoelace or spill coffee on yourself or whatever. You gotta stop and change clothes. Then on your way, you pass an accident. Maybe that would have been you, maybe not. But the coffee certainly made sure it wasn't. Here's a better example. Fellas, close your eyes and think about your wife. You got it? Now think about all them psycho chicks you dated before you met your wife and how mad you got when they dumped you. Feel stupid yet? No? Think harder. And play the song This by Darius Rucker. Our reading for today is Micah 1, 1 through 413, Revelation 6, 1 through 17, Psalm 134, 1-3, and Proverbs 30, 1-4. So if y'all are ready, like Rucker says, thank God for all I missed, because it led me here to this. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 14th in the Old Testament, we read Jonah 1-1 through 4-11. We read the whole book. And this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And Jonah's got to be one of the most annoying people in the Bible, and he would absolutely be my friend. <laughs> Jonah is mentioned also in 2 Kings 14. It says in verse 23, In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria, and reigned forty and one years. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel which he spake by the hands of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet which was of Gethhepher. In Joshua, a copying error resulted in it being called Gittahhepher, but it's the same place. And it's way up in the northern part of Israel past Nazareth. And Amaziah was a king of the southern kingdom of Judah from about 796 to 767 BC. So like 780, 770-ish BC was when Jonah was doing his thing. And he's apparently the one who told Jeroboam to take the land back all the way from Hamath in Syria to the Dead Sea. So anyway, Jonah's minding his own business one day up there in Gath Heifer when God says to him, Hey, Jonah. Jonah says, What? God says, I need you to do something for me. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. And in the Bible, Nineveh is first mentioned in Genesis 10:11, where it says, Asher left that land and built Nineveh. 
and the name has something to do with fish, like place of fish, or maybe the place of the fish goddess, but that'll be important later. It was way up in northern Iraq where Mosul is now, not far from the Tigris, so about seven or 800 miles east of Gath Heifer. Bing Maps puts it at an 18-hour drive today, 824 miles by the highway. And Nineveh was the greatest city in the known world at that time. It was bigger than Babylon, which was 385 furlongs around. But Nineveh was 480 furlongs around, which is like 60 miles. And they say its walls were 100 feet high and broad enough for three coaches to meet and pass by each other. And that it had 1,500 towers on its walls, each of them 200 feet high. And some translations say Asher in the Hebrew in Genesis 10:11 is actually the country Assyria rather than a person. And that would make Nimrod, rather than Asher, the founder of Nineveh. So they were bad news from way back. Bad sinners, about like all the rest of them back then were, killing people and taking their stuff and making slaves. And Jonah don't like them. But here God is sending him to preach to them. So Jonah's like, Lord, I hate these people. They're enemies of Israel and they done bad stuff to us. And I'd rather see them all go to hell than to see them repent. And I just know if I do what you say and go witness to them, they're going to repent and get saved. And God's like, well, yeah, Jonah, that's the idea. Now get after it. Clock's ticking. But Jonah's furious and says, I ain't going to do it. God's like, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> but Jonah's like, make me. And he rose up to flee from the presence of the Lord unto Tarshish, which is either England or Spain or both, depending on who you believe, and is as far as he can go in the other direction away from Nineveh. So he goes down to Joppa, which is called Jaffa today, and it's a seaport next to Tel Aviv. It's about 50 miles from Gath Heifer. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and got on the boat to go to Tarshish as far as he could get from the presence of the Lord. So wham. And God's like, okay, Joe, if this is how you want it. And he sent a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. And all the mariners were terrified. And every one of them were praying out loud to every god they could think of. And they took all their cargo and tossed it overboard to lighten the ship. But Jonah, obstinate thing that he is, while everybody else is thinking they all about to die, Jonah's down in the hole to sleep. <laughs> and the captain can't believe his eyes and wakes him up. He's like, what is the matter with you? Get up, call upon thy God. And maybe that God will think upon us that we perish not. And somehow they figured out that one of the passengers or crew must be in trouble with their God and has brought down all this trouble on them. So they cast lots, like drew straws or rolled dice or something. Not really gambling, more like letting the Lord or fade or chance or whatever decide this. Kind of like we'd flip a coin nowadays. And wouldn't you know it, the lot fell upon Jonah. So they're all like, what's the deal, banana peel? Explain yourself. Who are you? Where do you come from? Start talking. And Jonah's like, okay, you got me. I wasn't going to say anything, but I am in Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And this whole mess is all on account of my disobedience. And all these guys would probably know what happens when you cross the God of the Hebrews. They probably know what happened to Egypt and Jericho and all them Nephilim that got slaughtered in the promised land. All that's probably still fresh in a lot of people's minds. So then the men were exceedingly afraid and said unto him, well, Why hast thou done this? You're killing me, Smalls. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they're like, now what? So Jonah says, well, here's what you do. And he said to them, take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, they weren't ready to murder him just yet. <laughs> so the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. 
for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. So they all prayed to the Lord, and Lord is in all caps in the King James, which means the word translated was Y-H-W-H. It was the Yahweh. So all the pagans were praying to God the Father. And they're like, listen, Lord, we got one of your boys on board, and we're about to throw him over. We don't want to, but we don't know what else to do. We beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. Just leave us out of it. And they did. They tossed him over. And the storm ended. And they were impressed. Mm -hmm. And they sacrificed something. Hopefully they had a lamb on board. Maybe some chickens. And they worshiped Yahweh. (laughs) So dig this irony. Just by trying hard as he could not to, Jonah scores a full boatload of converts, who in turn throw him overboard for it, (laughs) which as it happens was the right thing to do. You can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Anyway, the Lord had prepared a plan B. And long about the time Jonah's trying to do the math on how long it'll take to swim home, here comes what the Bible calls a great fish to swallow up Jonah. (laughs) And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, kind of like Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights, which makes him a type. So did Jonah die in the belly of the fish and get resurrected? Or was there enough air in there to survive? Don't know. But if you got a problem with a God that can do miracles, maybe this ain't the religion for you. (laughs) Anyway, chapter two. Jonah's a little freaked out by this turn of events, and he prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, for all of chapter 2 actually, this really ornate and poetic prayer, basically saying, I'm very sorry, sir, if you'll get me out of these fish guts, I promise I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay that that I have vowed. I'll do anything you say. And God's like, yeah, that's what I thought. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Nobody knows where, and a lot of people have the idea that he spat him out right on the shores of Nineveh. And I had that idea too. I had this picture in my head of a bunch of Ninevites just hanging out on the beach when this ginormous fish beaches itself and vomits out some dude. And he gets up, skin all puckered and hair bleached white from the stomach acid and stinking like a dumpster at a seafood restaurant. (laughs) Seaweed hanging off of him, all wide-eyed and freaked out look on his face. And he staggers up to the first person he can find and grabs him and yells, repent. And they do. Uh And that's the way I like to picture it. But it didn't happen. Not unless fish can walk or fly. Because Nineveh is a long way inland from the Mediterranean. And the Greeks have a myth about Hercules spending three days in the belly of a dog sent by Neptune. And another myth that says Arion, who after he was cast into the sea, was carried by a dolphin to the port of Corinth. So since these were obviously stolen from the Jews, maybe that's where Jonah landed. Corinth isn't on the Mediterranean. It's off the Ionian on the Gulf of Corinth. But I don't know where all the boat went. I wasn't there. But anyway, God's like, you ready to listen now? Okay, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and tell them what I told you to tell them. And Jonah's in no mood to argue. And probably what happened is he takes a boat back to the coast of Syria or Turkey and books passage overland on like a camel train or something like that. And obviously, he tells this fish story to anybody within shouting distance the whole way. And his story probably beats him to Nineveh. They probably heard of him there when he shows up. So he gets there, and verse 3 says, Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. That doesn't mean it was three days away. It means it was a three-day walk around it. It was about 60 miles around, so figure 20 miles a day. And verse 4 says, Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So if the city was sixty miles around, 
The diameter was about 20 miles, which we just established was a day's journey. But some commentaries say the city was sort of oblong-shaped, longer one way than the other, so it's possible it took more than a day to walk across it, and he walked to the middle. What I think is, Jonah walked from one side to the other, crying aloud to anybody who could hear him, 40 days and y'all gonna get it. And if his fish story got there before he did, this was probably very intimidating. I mean, it must have been, because the whole city repented, from the king on down, and proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And during the fast, they didn't even let the animals have any food or water. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and he called off the judgment. And this made Jonah very happy, and he threw a party, and lived happily ever after. (laughs) No, it did not. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, It displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed to God and said, basically, I knew this was going to happen. Didn't I say this was going to happen? When I was yet in my country, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And I knew that if I came here and preached to these dirtbags, they'd repent. And then you'd repent us thee of the evil too. He's mad because God's a good God. Mm -hmm. And God answered him and said, Jonah, are you sure you want to be talking to me like that? And I personally think God is amused with this little runt, dogging him out like he's something. But Jonah stomps off out of town and found him a spot on the east side of the city to watch the upcoming destruction of Nineveh on the outside chance that their repentance don't take. It's wishful thinking, but that's what he did. So God's like, let me see if I can explain this to Jonah one more time. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. And some translations say vine, some say leafy plant. But he made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So God fixed him up a shady spot to sit and mope and pout. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. (laughs) But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd that it withered. And when the sun came up, God prepared a vehement east wind out of the desert and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, I work outside in Florida. I get it. And God says to Jonah, so you're sure you got the proper attitude about all this, right? And Jonah's like, yes, it's perfectly appropriate for me to be a mopey little whiny baby and to get so mad I could die. And God's like, so you seriously had pity on some plant for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. But you don't want me to have pity on a whole city state full of 80,000 human beings that I did make and I love and that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, which is hysterical. It's basically the equivalent of God saying they don't know their butts from a hole in the ground. (laughs) Or you can't find your behind with both hands and a flashlight. There's a a Tom Waits song that says you can't find your waitress with a Geiger counter, but you get the idea. God has a sense of humor. And that's where the book stops. And we're not told if Jonah ever changed his attitude, but I'm guessing he did, or we'd have heard more crazy stories about him. (laughs) Or maybe he got his wish and just died right there in the desert. But the epilogue is that Nineveh was fine. They survived a couple hundred more years before they finally abandoned the city because basically a bunch of kings and empires fought over it and trashed it. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy or faithfulness, as it is in the New American Standard Version. This was in Jonah's prayer for deliverance. Something to think about. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own faithfulness, their own mercy. Anyway, here's a guy that really knows God. 
knows his voice, knows him, knows what he does. They have a genuine relationship. (laughs) Jonah was so sure of his relationship with God that he stayed, it looks like he stayed in the fish for three days and three nights before he prayed. I guess when he realized he wasn't going to die, he prayed and then God got him out. So now go do it. And I see Jonah walking through the city like a spanked child doing the minimum of what he doesn't want to do at all. I think he walked right in the middle of that city, cried out one time, turned around and found his spot to wait 40 days. He was walking among people he wants dead. And then he waits, he waits 40 days to see them destroyed. I mean, that's a lot of hate in a man of God. And yet God loves and reasons with him. And in the New Testament, we read Revelation 5, 1 through 14. And that starts out, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. So it's the seven-sealed scroll. Missler calls it the ultimate escrow closing. (laughs) Scrolls were called books prior to the second century. And a book with pages was called a codex. A sealed book with conditions on the outside and sealed suggests a title deed. And Roman law required that a will be sealed with seven seals. So take that how you want. And then it says, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book. And I wept much because no man was found worthy. So they're looking for a man to do it, a kinsman of Adam. Somebody who's able to qualify as what they call a goel, which is a kinsman redeemer like in the book of Ruth. But nobody was qualified to open this legal document. Why? I guess because you have to be sinless to redeem the whole human race out of bondage to sin. I guess you can't get somebody out of what you're in too. But the kinsman redeemer, the goel, had to be a kinsman, had to be able, had to be willing, and had to assume all the obligations of the beneficiary. And he was also the avenger of blood. So stand by for that. In verse 5, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So that's interesting, the lamb as it had been slain. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So incense, odors, equals prayers. These are the prayers of God's people. We, the redeemed, actually contribute to the work of redemption through our prayers. Prayer is God's way of enlisting you in what he's doing. Amen. And after that, a big praise chorus fires up. It says they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Everybody, by his blood. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests. In other words, we shall reign on the earth as kings and priests. Mm. Verse 11, And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was a hundred million. And then he says thousands of thousands. So I guess there's two groups. I don't know. But they're all singing with a loud voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Mm -hmm. That's seven things. He gets seven possessions. Number one, power. 
He is not one who can dream and never realize, according to Chuck Missler. He's the one who's able. Riches. There's no claim that he can't satisfy. No promise he can't carry out. Wisdom. Both secrets and practical knowledge. Strength. He can even disarm the powers of evil and overthrow Satan. Honor. Before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Glory. Which is his alone. And blessing. The inevitable climax of everything. He pours this out on all of us. You and me, blessings, when he redeems us. Amen. And then in verse 13, all the creatures in the world joined in with this praise. And it closes by saying, the four beasts said amen, like they had the authority to tell everybody when it was time to stop, maybe. And Bible y'all, Paul already said this, but the prayers of the saints are in censers as a sweet fragrance unto God. Our prayers. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 133, 1-3. It's another song of degrees of David says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, is the big idea. Not just brothers, but anybody, really. Jesus is looking for us to be in unity when he comes back, and loving each other gets us there. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 29, verses 26 and 27. And 26 says, Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Whatever king you're dealing with in your life is not your final judge. That's the Lord. You may have to let your personal king push you around for now, but never compromise your relationship with God, is what he's trying to say. Because, the next verse, an unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Word to your mother. Wicked people hate righteous people like you wouldn't believe. We will contend with wickedness if we want to please God. Just a little light goes a long way in the dark, and the wicked hate light because their deeds are evil. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for December 15th is Micah 1.1 through 4.13. The word of the Lord that came to Micah the Morsthite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is, and let the Lord God be witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place, and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten under him, and the valleys shall be cleft, as wax before the fire, and as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is all this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria as an heap of the field, and as plantings of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof, and all the graven images thereof shall be beaten to pieces, and all the hires thereof shall be burned with the fire, and all the idols thereof will I lay desolate. For she gathered it of the hire of an harlot, and they shall return to the hire of an harlot. Therefore I will wail and howl, I will go stripped and naked, I will make a wailing like the dragons and mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable, for it is come unto Judah. He is come unto the gate of my people, even to Jerusalem. Declare ye it not at Gath, weep ye not at all. In the house of Aphra roll thyself in the dust. Pass ye away, thou inhabitant of Saphir, having thy shame naked. The inhabitant of Zaanan came not forth in the morning of Bethazel. He shall receive of you his standing. For the inhabitant of Meroth waited carefully for good, But evil came down from the Lord unto the gate of Jerusalem. O thou inhabitant of Lachish, bind the chariot to the swift beast, 
She is the beginning of the sin to the daughter of Zion, for the transgressions of Israel were found in thee. Therefore shalt thou give presents to Morashethgath. The houses of Achzib shall be a lie to the kings of Israel. Yet will I bring an heir unto thee, O inhabitant of Merishah. He shall come unto Adullam, the glory of Israel. Make thee bald, and pole thee for thy delicate children. Enlarge thy baldness as the eagle, for they are gone into captivity from thee. Chapter 2 Woe to them that devise iniquity, and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they practice it, because it is in the power of their hand. And they covet fields, and take them by violence, and houses, and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. Therefore thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this family do I devise an evil, from which ye shall not remove your necks. Neither shall ye go haughtily, for this time is evil. In that day shall one take up a parable against you, and lament with a doleful lamentation, and say, We be utterly spoiled. He hath changed the portion of my people. How hath he removed it from me? Turning away, he hath divided our fields. Therefore thou shalt have none that shall cast a cord by lot in the congregation of the Lord. Prophesy ye not. Say they to them that prophesy, they shall not prophesy to them, that they shall not take shame. O thou that art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? Even of late my people is risen up as an enemy. Ye pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. The women of my people have ye cast out from their pleasant houses. From their children have ye taken away my glory forever. Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest. Because it is polluted, it shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. If a man walking in the spirit and falsehood do lie, saying, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink, he shall even be the prophet of this people. I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make a great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker is come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. Chapter 3 And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know judgment, who hate the good and love the evil? who pluck off their skin from off them, and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people, and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones, and chop them in pieces as for the pot, and as flesh within the cauldron? Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth, and cry peace and he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Therefore night shall be unto you, that ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you, that ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment, and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord, and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps 
and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. Chapter 4 But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come, and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people, and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it. For all people will walk every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God for ever and ever. In that day, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion, from henceforth even forever. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in the field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. There shalt thou be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem thee from the hand of thine enemies. Now also many nations are gathered against thee, that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves unto the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thine horn iron, and I will make thy hoofs brass, and thou shalt beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their grain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. And our reading in the New Testament for December 15th is Revelation 6, 1-17. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God, and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. 
And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Our reading in Psalms for December 15th is Psalm 134, 1-3. A Song of Degrees Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. And our reading in Proverbs for December 15th is Proverbs 30, 1-4. The words of Agur, the son of Jacke, even the prophecy. The man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Ucal. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Who hath ascended up into the heaven, or descended? Who hath gathered in the wind his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name, and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? And that'll do it for the 15th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Revelation 3.1, which says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art dead. So hit the 30-second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on thinking we're something we're not, because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, let us not be like the church at Sardis that took your name in vain. Strengthen our faith and make our works perfect before you. Help us to hold fast to the gospel we have heard. Let us not be caught unawares, for we know you come suddenly like a thief in the night. If we have done this, if we have failed you, Lord, we hereby repent. Thank you for your promise that the overcomer will be clothed in white, and his name will be written in the book of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be a blessing to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing y'all can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. If you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Joah upon the dry land. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jodah. Jodah. <laughs> That's Yoda's brother. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay.